Welcome to Moms Using Homeopathy. I'm Joy from MomsUsingHomeopathy.com, and I'm just a mom like you on a journey of learning how to use homeopathy to care for my family. In 2016, I started a group on Facebook called Moms Using Homeopathy. It has grown to over 10,000 members. This podcast is really for our members who want to learn more about this amazing method of healing. So let's get started. Hello, moms, and welcome to part two of my interview with Lindsay Mitchell on classical homeopathy. Today, in this interview, she's going to cover some resources for you, new moms who are new to homeopathy. She's going to talk about potencies that you might want to get for your kits. She's also going to cover some chronic and acute definitions so that you know the difference between the two. She'll talk about how homeopathy heals and cover Herring's Law of Cure. And she's also going to uh, discuss how she takes a case. So this is going to be a full episode. I hope you enjoy it. So if a mom is brand new and starting out and wants to, because most moms, we just go get a kit, right? Because it's nice to have all the remedies there. (laughs) It's, It's more economical for us. What potency would you suggest that moms start out with as far as generally when you're brand new? I would say brand new, if, if you're, you're buying, you know, the main remedies, first five, first 10, first 30, buy everything in 30C. Okay. Everything in 30C. Next, buy everything in 200C. Because those can go either way. The, the reason I say 200C is because it, it, you know, it goes in maybe a little deeper, lasts a little bit longer, um, but it's, it, it can be prescribed just like a 30 C, but a 30 C is really good in acute situations. So, and that's what most people are treating initially is acute problems that are coming up. So uh, 30 C's across the board. I am not, um, a big promoter of lower potencies, especially potencies below a 12 C because anything below a 12 C still has material substance in it, which can aggravate and which can also, um, kind of bring the disturbance up or kind of bring things up and kind of leave you hanging in them, you know, whereas an entirely energetic potency, like a 30 C or 200 C keeps pushing. It will bring something up and out and, and last long enough to do that, you know, without being the bomb of like a one M or a much higher potency. As far as dosing goes, so for acute, because we're only dealing with acutes in our group, we always, the big thing, and if, if anybody read the pin post, which I hope that they do, <laughs> the big thing is, you know, if you've got a chronic thing, you want to go to a homeopath because they're going to be the professionals. You've been through school. You've had all your training. You've done your practice cases. You've, you've been through extensive training because I know I've seen the coursework <laughs> and I know the test is terribly hard. So <laughs> it is not fun. <laughs> it is not fun. So, um, so chronics homeopath, you know, cause that's going to be where your best option is for, for help. And it is true. People wait until the very, la- until it's usually the last resort when they find homeopathy these days, especially in the States, because it's just not common here. Like it is overseas having a homeopath, that will help you guide you through and do the consultation, which is completely different from a doctor's appointment, you know, because it's not like a physical examination kind of thing. We could do it over video conference. I do. It's amazing. That's exactly right. Yeah. I want to address a couple of things you mentioned chronic versus acute. The toughest thing with 
um, I think the newcomer to homeopathy is understanding the difference. Mm -hmm. You know, we see a lot of comments in group that um, are along the lines of, well, I've been dealing with, um, I've been dealing with acid reflux. I've been dealing with this skin rash. I've been dealing with insomnia. I've been dealing with bad periods. And what they don't realize is that it's become a chronic state. And, you know, and, and it's a tough thing because we don't want to run them off by saying, well, you need to go find a homeopath. But at the same time, it's become a symptom complex. You know, it's become, you know, it's not a fleeting passing thing that has just been kind of, has kind of landed on you for a minute and is moving on. It's something that has, has it's a signal from our vital force saying, I'm in trouble here, you know? And so, you know, we want to make sure that, we collect all those chronic symptoms so that we can select the best possible remedy to, to move it along. And, you know, I think that's really confusing and frustrating for people because they think, you know, well, homeopathy is the, the one thing I can get into and do myself. And, and in a lot of ways you can, but it takes a long time. You know, it takes a long time to really kind of understand. It takes a long time to shift gears from, allopathy to homeopathy. And I think that's the biggest transition is, you know, and, and what we're seeing and what you and I've talked about is we're seeing this kind of middle, middle ground of practical homeopathy kind of slipped in the middle, which is, is helping people make that transition. Although my fear is that it, you know, they may never get to the end transition, which is classical homeopathy because either they're defeated, you know, because they've tried several things and they're not quite understanding it and it's not working because they're treating symptom for symptom or they don't, they've aggravated, you know, they've given too many doses or they've given too low of a potency. I mean, I see a lot of people say, I've been on a 6X for so long and it's not helping. And I'm thinking a 6X is like not even a BB in a pond. You know, a 6X barely, it barely does anything. You know, a six, when we think of super low potencies like that, they kind of just slightly balance a little bit. When we think about, I see a lot of comments about bioplasma and cell salts. And the biggest confusion that I see is that, that they're prescribed the same. Let me, let me just say, the individual cell salts as themselves have always been individual remedies prescribed in higher potencies when they match the patient. Bioplasma is technically not classically classical homeopathy. It is a combination remedy of 12 of those salts combined together in very low potency. So it is not, it may move some things along. It may, you know, it can even aggravate you day after day if you keep taking it, you know I mean? Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily going to resonate with the disturbance and go deep and urge the body to heal because it's, it's more, it's a superficial dose, you know, and so that's why we, we reach for higher potencies because they're entirely energetic and they can reach deeper and fully resonate with the vital force as opposed to, you know, just kind of t sprinkling across the top. It's the same with the combination. There's a lot of combination uh, remedies out there on the market that you can get at CVS or Walgreens and stuff like that. And there, some of them are, they used to be X potency long time ago. Cause I remember, and I think they've have changed the blends a little bit more recently. Um, Highlands has, 
But still, it's a whole bunch of remedies. If you could just find that one in the blend, it may work well for you. But there's one in that blend that is really resonating with you. That if you can find that one, it will get there. <laughs> you know, it really hit. It's like it's like you're throwing a whole bunch of stuff at you when you could just be hitting the hammer right on the head of the nail with the, that one remedy. You know, and it's a. But it's hard. It's hard for moms who are coming in and they're just like, never heard of this before. It's another thing they've got to study to figure out, you know, what, what the symptoms are. And, but when you get that one, it's like, that's exactly right. Oh, that's exactly right. You know, and honestly, I mean, you know, as far as the combos go, bioplasma is the only one really kind of probably tested together. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know the provings, but you know, all these other ones are definitely not proved together, which is the concern, you know? So if you, you're taking a cold calm, okay, well, how many remedies are in that? 10, you know, are they counter, are they contraindicated with each other? Do some cancel out others? Are they amicable? You know, it's hard to, it's hard to know, but I also realized that in a pinch, you're going to, you want to throw a whole bunch of homeopathy at somebody and hope something sticks. And okay, so something sticks. Now you got to go back and figure out what it was, you know? And so you got to go through each remedy in that, hopefully you'll read it before you give it, but you want to read each remedy in that blend and go, okay, was this the one that resonated or was this the one that resonated? And once you feel like you've kind of narrowed it down to the one that worked, then you go up in potency and prescribe that single remedy. And I, you know, I've seen, I've seen people do that and you know, it's the long way around and in it, it is not necessarily the right way or an effective way, but sometimes it works because all they want is relief from a symptom. And I'd much rather them reach for something like that than Tylenol or, you know, some high potency drug that's just going to override their symptoms. You know, at least if, if something resonates, we know it was something in a homeopathic blend yeah. and we can go back and kind of deduct you know, so I no longer get on people <laughs> for this. You know, I more try to, I want to guide them through it, you know, yeah. like, okay, yeah. all right. So we have a starting point. We know that one of these five remedies helped. Let's figure out which one it was and then isolate it, you know, and move forward that way. So uh, like skin disturbances, we see suppressed skin disturbances become lung problems and then suppressed lung problems become mind problems and mental problems and seizures and various things. So a lot of times unraveling this ball to try to get back to, to what, what's really there is really tough. And so, you know, we, you know, if somebody has found a combination remedy or something that has kind of alleviated something or helped something, it gives us a clue, you know, and that's better than no clue, you know, I think in some cases. So, so we talked about suppression. What else do we need to talk about? Oh, law of cure. Yes. This is a good one. Law of cure or direction of cure is everything. It's everything. Honestly, it, it, you know, this is how, this is how we get through. This is how we understand what's going on is by understanding how the body, how the vital force heals itself. And the way it heals itself, according to Herring's law is from the top down, head to toe, uh, from the inside out and in reverse order of symptoms. So, you know, if we see somebody that has a rash on their body 
and they're still suffering by that rash, but their mental symptoms improve. They start feeling better and they're coping better with that rash. This is a good sign. And then if we start to see that rash move down the body, it's a good sign. People have a hard time understanding this. They're thinking, wait, the rash is still here. I'm still suffering from these symptoms. How can you tell me this is okay? And it's like, because we, we can see where the vital force is driving it out of the body, out of the energetic field. And so from the top down and then from the inside out is talking about the mental, emotional, physical symptoms. The mental symptoms are the deepest possible symptoms so when we're dealing with somebody that has depression, it's actually more severe than psoriasis. I know that's hard. This is tough for people to conceive sometimes that how is cancer not as bad as autism or you know something else that has a real mental complex to it of symptoms. But that's but the key is the mental symptoms are the deepest, then emotional, then physical. So when we see anything come from the mind out through the body, that is following the law of cure. So if I see a child who is stimming and frustrated and they have all sorts of protective mechanisms and things going on and, and all sorts of fears and stuff like that, and we give a remedy and all of a sudden those things dissipate, but they develop a rash on their stomach, this is a good sign. This means the disturbance is going from the deep, coming from the deepest point outward. And we want to make sure we don't interfere with that because if we drive it back in, we can drive it deeper and make it worse than it was before. So we want to allow things to come out of the body. When, and this is tough for people that actually start off with skin problems because they're thinking, wait a minute, I already have skin problems and you're telling me I've got to deal with skin problems to get through this. But the skin is the filter. The skin is that outer barrier. When, you know, and it's also the safest possible place for the vital force to send something. If it can't send a problem through the skin, then it has to choose another more vital organ and it wants to avoid that at all cost. So it is going to choose the skin when it can. And we need, we should appreciate that and encourage it, you know, if possible. And, and if it can't choose the skin, then we get nervous. Then we see thyroid problems. We see lung problems. We see heart problems. We see other organs compromised because that vital force was not able to express the disease through the skin. So, and then we deal with reverse order of symptoms. So that goes back to kind of what I was talking about earlier about um, the most recent things will pop up with the right remedy. So, you know, we put you on a remedy for a bunch of chronic symptoms and you... Um, you develop a cystic boil that you saw six months ago, that pops up first because that was the most recent pocket of infection that comes up and disappears. And then whatever was before six months comes up next, whatever was years before comes up after that. And then we just slowly unwind that ball to get to the, to the very core. And that means the, the body is, the vital force is literally casting things off layer by layer. You know, it's peeling it off and getting down to zero, which is health. And uh, so law of cure, direction of cure, top down, inside out, and reverse order of symptoms. That's actually going to tell you if you're, you've chosen correctly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. If you see those it's things heading those directions and you know, oh, I've got 
a right remedy going, not just, I feel better. You know, my kids, I can ask them, how, how are you feeling? You know, after I give them a remedy and they're like, I'm the same as like, is anything better? <laughs> you know, it's like, show me a pimple. Show me, me something. I know. I know. I know. I know. No, and you're exactly right. That is, that is how we know. That yes. is exactly how we know. And, you know, I mean, when, when, um, somebody says, which we see this in group from time to time, somebody says, well, I've, you know, my homeopath gave me this remedy for period cramps. And my period cramps are, eh, but now I'm terribly anxious. We know that that remedy has actually suppressed the problem. And now we've taken a physical symptom and we've turned it into a mental, emotional symptom, which is the wrong direction. Yeah. So you're exactly right. It, it tells us where we are. It tells us to abandon or continue with the treatment we're on. And that's how we never get lost in the case is, you know, by following these indications, by knowing these, the mental plane, the emotional plane and physical plane and how these things come through keeps us, keeps us clear all along. And you know, it's funny as a homeopath, I think I'm going to come across a case that's going to stump me. It's going to freak me. You know, there's always that, that fear that it's, that maybe you won't know what to do, but you always know what to do because it's very, very simple. You know, it's either going in deeper or it's coming out. And the indications are very clear because we know the mental plane versus the emotional plane versus the physical plane and how symptoms manifest. So it really simplifies the whole process. And if we can teach this and get everyone to understand this, then they can really understand how they're healing their own families. And it doesn't hurt to have a homeopath, just like you have a personal doctor. You've got your personal homeopath to call. Because... Yeah, I mean, because these things happen and these things are going this way. And it's nice to have that backup voice to say, you're on the right track. You're doing the right thing. And, you know, when it comes to modern medicine, you know, it has a place. Yes. You know, I'm not going to sit here in the in the opposite corner. I'm j- I just want to say that I think once we've kind of broken our dependence on that world and we realize we realize what what our options are i think that's what it comes down to people get into an emergency crisis and they go we've got to go to the emergency room okay well maybe you do maybe maybe that's what's indicated but a lot of times somebody gets sick they have a fever and they're like we got to go to the emergency room and you kind of go okay wait a minute now play this out what is your doctor going to give that child or give your husband you know is it something you want in the body, is it something you believe will actually cure the disease or the disturbance, like an antibiotic or a steroid? Are they going to guilt you into vaccines? Are they going to guilt you into some sort of chronic treatment? Are you know? Are they you know? Are you prepared to deal with that? Or you know, do you want to contact your homeopath who's going to listen to your symptoms and prescribe a remedy that's going to be personal to you and hopefully urge you on your way back to health? You know, and so that's kind of what I try to encourage people. I don't want people to think that I, you know, they're going to be in trouble with me if they've gone to their doctor because they're not. I don't, I'm not that way at all. But I also want them to kind of play out, you know, because they go to the doctor, they're like, well, he's given me antibiotics and, and, you know, and it's like, okay, well, now what? This is, the decision is still up to you to proceed down the path or to cure. And here, here's what we're looking at, you know? Antibiotics are, are definitely a setback, but there are some infections that are scary, and I get it. 
You know, I mean, there's some infections, especially in very small children that it's like, we just got to get on this, you know, and maybe in hopefully in tandem with homeopathy and, and that's how it goes. And, uh, you know, but a lot of times what we need to do is just remind each other how strong the body is. I think that's where we've lost faith. Uh, modern medicine, modern healthcare has stripped us of our faith in the human body's ability to heal itself, you know? And that's what's been most miraculous about my personal journey and watching my family and watching my, watching my patients is that the, the vital force is unbelievably powerful when nudged gently in the right direction, you know? And as you've seen with your husband, it's like, wow, we really do harness a lot of power that they would have us believe we don't, you know, they would have us be afraid of every fever, every boil, every skin rash, every bug bite. You know I mean? It's like, I mean, I see people rush to the emergency room for uh, everything because they're, they're afraid. They're afraid that they can't contain it. And and I think that has kind of been inborn in our generation, you know, that we go to the doctor, make sure, make sure, make sure. And, um, and so if we can just, you know, step back and ask a couple more questions before we, we, you know, make that judgment and kind of realize, okay, is this a crisis? Is this, do I want to treat this crisis with a, a potentially very suppressive medication? Um, what are my options with homeopathy? you know, maybe I'll touch base with my homeopath first. Maybe I'll touch base with my homeopath on the way to the hospital, you know, just to kind of, you know, cause a lot of times uh, the homeopath can jump in there and, and resolve something much quicker than, than even the hospital. You know, I mean, I hear case after case after case of people in the hospital in treatment and the homeopath slips them a remedy and all of a sudden things change very quickly. So it's all just about not panicking assessing the situation and playing it out in our minds of what, you know, the consequences or the advantages of the path we take. Yes, I agree. 100%. (laughs) Good. I I don't know if I trail off on some of these. No, no, no. This is really good because I I think there is a fear. And that's one of the reasons why we set the rule, no, no diagnosis in the group, because you could, I mean, we had people saying, oh, it could be cancer. It could be thyroid it could be this it could be that and it just the fear builds up in because you combine that with you know whatever you know you looked up on the mayo clinic or google with symptoms and it just gets out of control the fear does and you take a breath some things just aren't an emergency like fevers are not an emergency in most cases in most cases if it's you let the body go through the fever you're going to be your child is going to be so much better and healthier and stronger immunity wise. And, and there are medical studies out now that, you know, they're using fever to treat cancer, you know, because they'll let somebody, the fever rise for cancer so that they, it can kill off some of the stuff. So it's, it's a good thing. It's the body's natural response. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And what we're finding is that, you know, in our generation and our children's generation, all the mechanisms have been suppressed to such a point, whether we're talking about fever, whether we're talking about sweating, whether we're, whatever we're talking about, everything is suppressed because it's, you know, inconvenient. Mm -hmm. And so, and then we end up completely suppressing the, the, the immunity completely. And what we're seeing now is we're seeing people in our generation reach forties, mid forties, late thirties, even and developing major diseases because their, their natural healing ability has been so suppressed 
but eventually it, it just is overtaken, you know? So we see, we're seeing cancers earlier. We're seeing lots of mental illness, lots of depression, lots of anxiety from 25 to 35 to 45. I mean, it was never like this before, but we're not allowing the body. We're not encouraging the body. Instead, right. We're, right. we're jumping in and saying, sorry, you can't handle this. So we got it, you know? And, and it's creating major consequences down the road, you know? And I think that honestly, I had acne in high school and we couldn't get on top of it for whatever reason. I think it was the only thing my mom didn't take me to the homeopath for and eventually took me to the dermatologist for who eventually put me on months of antibiotics, which set me up for that hypersensitive hypersensitivity I was speaking of earlier, which set me up for allergic reactions, which I'm pretty sure that's the snowball. You know, it could have been, you know, it could have been my little ant attack. It could have been a broken boat or two. You know, I mean, I had some other things, but because she, she didn't treat me homeopathically for acne and, and went with medication instead, I feel like it, it set me back so far that all of a sudden I dealt with chronic sinus infections and I still am, you know, have a susceptibility to that kind of stuff, chronic skin problems. UTIs, you know, whatever it may be. It's like these, these drugs do not cure one. I mean, do not cure one thing and then be gone. It's like, they may, they may suppress one thing and then they set everything else back. And that's always my fear when we see moms dealing with the, the typical ear infection and they put this brand new baby or this new child on antibiotics. It's like, Oh, this can set them back for years. I have patients now who are in their fifties and sixties who are dealing with incredible sinusitis from, you know, nasal sprays and steroids and stuff that they used for years and antibiotics. And it's so suppressed the disturbance that they developed asthma, they developed nasal polyps, they developed all sorts of things. And now here they are, and none of those things work anymore. And they're, and they've got all this pushback from the body you know, kind of going, I'm just going to grow out of control with polyps and cysts and all sorts of stuff because you've been suppressing all this junk in me for so long. So it can really become a lethal situation, you know, whereas if we start early, we start treating these things early and we really select the right remedy and get everybody on their constitutional remedy, then we remove susceptibility to reoccurring acutes. So then we're not panicking to treat a lot of fevers all the time. You know, if we get everybody on the right track they move through life with an easier flow, you know, and they, they're not as susceptible to everything that comes along. And in that process, their immunity strengthens and they don't end up with precancerous cells or asthma or diabetes as they meet, as they reach midlife. You know what I'm saying? I do. I do. And it's, it's a whole different childhood from when I was a kid because, you know, I had chicken pox, you know, I had measles. We don't have that anymore. And that's the kids today are not getting the immunity from those childhood illnesses, you know, because of the shots that they're getting and stuff to, to keep them from getting these things that are good for their immunity to build their immunity for later on. So it's, yeah, I totally Totally get that. I do. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. We need these things. We need yeah. these things. Oh, very few of them are actually dangerous. Yeah. You know, and I mean, they become more dangerous the older we get. We're supposed to have them when we're young, you yeah. know? And, but man, I tell you, I see, I see people like, for instance, my mother-in-law, she has had shingles 
numerous times. I mean, numerous times. And I finally gave her, put on her remedy a few years ago and it cured it. It brought it out in a tiny temporary brief patch and then cast it out for good. And she's never had another reoccurrence. But before that, she went in and got the shingles vaccine year after year and year after year kept developing shingles and was and developed laryngitis and other things where she was a pretty healthy constitution. But not only did the shingles vaccine not help her shingles, uh, but it brought, it, it created a whole other disturbance upon her constitution and her remedy sorted that out. She actually went through a temporary bout of laryngitis, a temporary bout of, Shingles. She had to kind of go through those things to get over it because she'd been suppressing them. But then now here she is 75 years old and she's in Hawaii as we speak and she's enjoying perfect health, you know, since the remedy has finally cast it out. But, and that's the moral of the story is to just, is to really ask questions about what they're doing to us when it comes to these shots and these procedures. And I mean, I think the scariest thing is exploratory type stuff where they don't really know. They have a hunch and they just kind of go digging and it's like, no, 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 no. Anytime you, anytime you do anything to the body, it, it affects the vital force, any sort of cut, any sort of procedure, you know, it, it, it affects the balance. So we always want to make sure, you know, that we're protecting that balance first and foremost with all of our decisions, you know, even though symptoms are very uncomfortable and we just want to get them over with. You know, the key is to realize that they, they are messages to us. You know, they're valuable and they're not the enemy. And to just make them go away is not what we want to do. We want to make the body make them go away. Good. What else? I know this is always hurts everybody's feelings and I never mean to. But antidotes, possible antidotes, more specifically essential oils. I yeah. know our world loves essential oils oils right now. But here's the thing. Homeopathic remedies are energy and energy is safe. Energy is not going to affect us. You know, I mean, it can aggravate us a little bit. It can, you know, it can move stuff around because our core energy is energy or our core force is energy, but essential oils and other natural medicines can be just as dangerous and just as suppressive as modern drugs. And I think that's the biggest misconception right now is that, well, I'm into essential oils and they're healthy and they, you know, and it's like, no, 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 these, these are still potent and toxic and ca can cause symptoms. So anything in substance form can cause symptoms and side effects. And that's a huge thing to swallow. That means any type of vitamin, any supplement, any food, any oil, I mean, anything you can think of that is in substance form can aggravate one person. It may heal another or help another or palliate another, but it may severely aggravate somebody else. And that's the risk with substance. And, and it can also, when we're talking about essential oils, they can also, they're so potent, they can directly cancel our remedies. So they cannot be used in tandem with homeopathy. And I know this is heartbreaking to people and they kind of find their way to homeopathy through these natural holistic type things. And then I take them away, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm sorry, you can't use them right now. But the thing is they're so potent. And the biggest misconception is that there's no danger to them, you know, and I treat a lot of patients, especially young kids 
who have developed symptoms from diffused essential oils in their home because it is so potent, you know, and they're breathing it in and it can affect their eyes. It can affect their lungs. It can affect, you know, stomach aches, headaches, sleep, even behavior. I have seen essential oils affect all these things. So the key is to to stick with energy, which is completely safe as opposed to substance. And I'm not saying throw all your essential oils away or throw all your vitamins away. Some of these things are, you know, have a place maybe at some point in time. But when you're trying to treat symptoms, chronic symptoms, acute symptoms, those things are not going to cure anything because they're substance, because they do not resonate with our vital force. The only thing that can cure us is our own vital force. So whatever we do must resonate with our vital force. Now, there are a couple other things that can do that. Acupuncture can resonate with our vital force, although it's a slightly different approach. But it, it, I mean, it is a very different approach. But it is also energy medicine. And then there's a few others out there that can resonate with that energy and kind of urge us to heal. But that's the only place we can heal from. So when people say, well, I've got hormone, you know, hormone imbalances and I'm using frankincense and myrrh, it makes me nervous because not only can frankincense and myrrh in pure oil form cause symptoms, but it's, it's not actually penetrating those layers and talking to the vital force energetically. It is literally just a substance upon the body that can palliate, suppress, or aggravate. So, you know, when we start treatment and we're really kind of getting on board with homeopathy and, and moving down this healing journey, we want to move all things aside that can interfere with this energy. And, and I don't want to make it sound like it's very sensitive and it's, it needs, it's a delicate thing, but in some ways it is. And, and we want to make sure we just kind of, we don't add new things. We don't add new oils. We don't add new vitamins. If you're not already a coffee drinker, don't become a coffee drinker. You know, things like that. We want to really kind of give the remedy the forum to really do what it's going to do and resonate and, and see where it goes. And I know it's hard to put things down. I know. I mean, we all have our habits. You know, we all have our things we like, whether it's lotions or creams or perfumes or coffee or tea or whatever, but it's about healing, you know? And if we're fed up and we're sick and tired of our symptoms, then, you know, the least we can do is just kind of move everything out of the way for a minute and, and see where the remedy takes us. Once we get on the other side and the, the disturbance has been cast out by our vital force, then some of those things can be reintroduced, you know, maybe carefully, you know, but sometimes those things can bring a disturbance back or create a disturbance. So we, we always want to be careful with certain things, but all I'm saying is that in tandem with homeopathy, I see essential oils more than anything else cancel all progress and it is very sad to watch and i see people get really frustrated and you know and they they don't believe me initially i just dealt with three patients last week that didn't believe me right when i start treatment and i send them their remedy i say okay or warning we need to move all this stuff aside and they don't necessarily believe me and then they you know they call me a week or two later and say uh so (laughs) you know now i got into this or we went sniffing essential oils at the mall and now i've had headaches for days or now i can't sleep or you know 
So it's, it's sad because it, you know, I don't want everybody to learn the hard way, you know, and that's why I want to say it here that if you're starting homeopathic treatment for chronic or acute problems, whatever it may be, move everything out of the way of homeopathy and let that energy do what it's going to do. And, and then you can kind of regain, you know, reclaim things on the other side once, once the storm has passed and everything has calmed down. I used to use homeo- uh, essential oils before I found homeopathy a lot and it works so well, you know, I'm, I just, it, those things just kind of fall by the wayside because it works so well and it is tempting. It's, I think when people, when your kid gets sick, you want them to feel better so bad that you throw everything you've got at them. You know, it's like, I'm going to give them every immune boosting thing that I can find. I'll give them astragalus. I'll give them elderberry. I'll give them uh, colloidal silver with, you know, all these different things. And I'm going to just have all these oils diffusing and it just, it's overwhelming. I think to the system anyway, you can just stick with one. I feel you. I feel you on this. You're right. I mean, we just, we want it to, we want it to work, you know, if we can throw the whole kitchen sink at them and it's working, then, then that's what we do. And, and they're all considered natural, you know? So, you know, we, we, it's, it's very tempting to do, very tempting to do. And I, and I, I get it. I've done it myself. You know, I mean, I truly carry, I, I have a bug out bag (laughs) for emergencies, world emergencies, natural disasters, and it contains, I mean, I have my entire case of my, my homeopathic remedies, but I also have colloidal silver and I have a few essential oils because, you know, I mean, you just in a pinch, I mean, in a pinch, an infection is, can be lethal. So, I mean, to have some colloidal silver on hand to get on top of something in case you get the remedy wrong or you're out of a remedy or, you know, it's, it's not, it's, it's not unwise to keep those things around, but we just want to train our brains to go, okay, I want to encourage the body to heal. Let me start with homeopathy. And if we're not moving this thing along, then let me, you know, let me ask a few other people. Let me contact a, contact a homeopath. Let me see if I can urge the body to heal this before interfering out of fear. And right. I think that's the bottom line. We all interfere out of fear. We, all come, we jump in, we're afraid it's going to become a runaway train. And, you know, it's going to lead, lead to something that we can't, uh, we can't get back. And, you know, and so, so we react and if we can keep ourselves from reacting, then we, we just, then we, we can understand the process a little better too. We we're a little more clear headed when we move the fear out of the way and kind of go, okay, what needs to be cured here? What is really going on? You know, and it's not always easy. Some can, I mean, especially nonverbal children, babies, toddlers, you know, uh, it, it is not easy to hit that remedy right when they can't really tell you what's going on and how they're feeling and where this ache and where this pain is. And so I get it. I get it. You know, there's times we just want to get them well. And yeah. Um, yeah. so, well, and I think sometimes we expect it, homeopathy to work better than allopathic medicine. Like it's got to prove something, <laughs> and, I know. you know, and, and lately I've been like, woohoo, we got through that cold without using one thing of, you know, using all homeopathy and we're good to go, you know? So we do, you know, you're going to get sick. It's just how it is in the world. There's going to be sickness. We're not ever going to be 100%. Well, all the time, never sick ever, ever, ever. You know, I I think that, I think that uh, going through illness sometimes is good. 
we could, you know, and I think people, that's another good point you bring up is people say, uh, okay, well, how long am I going to have to be on this remedy? It's like ever, you know, and you kind of go, okay, well, maybe because life is still in progress. So not only do we need to heal years past of what's happened and what's manifested, but life is still going. So you still have stress. You still have exposure. You still have stuff floating in the air, you know, that, that can bog down the vital force. And I think that's the toughest thing this year that I'm noticing is that there's more stuff in the air. There's more stuff going on. And so I've, I've kind of gone out on my own and done some research and I'm seeing different things like, um, for example, uh, Fukushima, uh, you know, Japan, nuclear meltdown or situation. And the fallout, the nuclear fallout from that has gone everywhere. It's worldwide. And so I kind of go, okay, has that put a new miasm on mankind? Right. You know, right. is this something that, okay, now we're all, we're, a lot of us are having allergies and, and we're, we're dealing with stuff. Okay. Is this the body actually reacting positively or correctly to a threat that is currently in our air or our water or our food? You know, and that, that gets tough to kind of decipher what's a symptom and a hypersensitivity versus the correct reaction to something that's truly toxic. You know, for example, my husband, uh, we went to a get together on Saturday night and they had street tacos where they grilled up the street tacos right there and, you know, and he had like three or four of them. And, you know, he instantly felt full, more full than he should have. Like he, he, and he and a buddy kind of looked at each other like, I feel really full after just a couple little tacos. And that's typically a key that's, uh, you know, clue that something's going on. Well, Sunday morning he woke up and he was sick as a dog. Oh, and, oh. and he was cold. He was cold and cold. And, and under blanket and, you know, stomach stuff, diarrhea, different symptoms. And I gave him, normally I don't interfere at all with his constitutional remedy because it has, it has literally brought him right side up over the last three years, but he was clear cut Nux Vomica. So I gave him a dose of Nux and he perked up a bit. And then four hours later, I'm not a person that gives a dose every 15 minutes, Okay, you know, because the body force just needs a nudge. It doesn't need to be pounded. So I gave a dose around 10 a.m. I gave another dose around 3 p.m. He felt better after each dose. He went to bed. He started a fever of 101 as he got in bed. It broke two hours later. He woke up the next morning and felt unbelievably better. So his body had to push through something. So the, the dilemma as a homeopath or as any wife is, do I treat these symptoms? Do I treat these symptoms? Because his body is clearly rejecting something that it, it doesn't want. He needs to throw up. He needs to have diarrhea. I don't know about the cold and the fever, but his body is responding to a threat. So do we want to interfere with that? And I only really interfere when he sits there miserable for a while. You know, it was like, okay, you know, he's been, he's been moaning and whining and I'm going to go insane. So I'm going to give him a remedy. But you know, it's, that's the dilemma is, okay, the body, we want to trust the body. We only really want to treat homeopathically when it appears stuck. And we want to just kind of nudge it along. We don't want to jump in with homeopathy and pound it, pound it, pound it, pound it with dose after dose after dose after dose. We just want to nudge it gently so that it can do what it's supposed to do. And that's a lot of times what I see in group as well is numerous doses in, during a fearful acute. 
And it's like the, the remedy, you can almost interrupt the remedy if you give too many doses. You know, it can kind of start and then you throw in another one and it kind of interrupts that dose and starts a new one. So you want to just kind of let it go for a few hours and, you know, and let it kind of move it through if it's going to. And, and then it's gone. But anyway, my point is I'm seeing this sort of stuff in the air with allergies, with storms, with, you know, that are, that are, it's different than it's been in recent years, you yeah. know, and I'm kind of going, okay, yeah. is the body actually hypersensitive? Are we actually dealing with allergies or are we dealing with true toxic stuff in the air that the body is rejecting? And so people are easing and people are coughing and people are trying to get this out of their system you know, it's hard to know. It's hard to pinpoint. I'm not a chemist. You know, I'm not, I can't take samples and really see (laughs) what's invisible to our eye, but I'm just kind of seeing a ramping up of stuff where it's different from the old pollen allergies. It's different from the, the typical seasonal manifestations that we used to see. Now it's more of like a rejection. It's like a, you know, kind of like a rejection of something that's moving through. And, um, and it's, it's, it's interesting, you know, because maybe the body is right. Maybe the body isn't stuck in some of these cases, you know, maybe it is responding the way it's supposed to. And we just want to be able to listen to it and go, okay, you know, is it stuck or is it fighting? You know, so. Very good. I just, um, you know, I really hope that we're able to real as, as the homeopaths in the group that we're able to really gently, guide people, you know, and I, and I, I want, I want to help them understand why homeopathy works and what the body's actually doing. I think that's, that's, you know, the biggest confusion is what symptoms are, you know, and, and we, we know that in modern medicine, doctors do not know what symptoms are. They see a symptom and they're going to erase it. They're like, take this, it's gone. They don't really know that it's truly like, a valuable warning, you know, like for instance, somebody that has, um, warts, you know, if we go along, we cut all those warts off. We have no more indication that the virus is in the body. You know, we need those kind of symptoms. We need that outward expression to know what's going on inside the body. And the vital force gives us these symptoms as, as red flags, as very valuable clues. So we don't want to remove those symptoms and blind us to what's going on internally. You know, we want to make sure that the vital force is like, okay, I've sent you this signal. You're re- you're hearing me. Now I'm going to go ahead and cast it on out and let the vital force cast that virus out and the warts go with it or right. whatever the disturbance may be. So very good. So what is your, um, let's talk about what, what you would recommend to a mom that is just starting out as far as maybe a book to read that you would recommend or um, what are your recommendations to somebody who's coming into our group brand new and just finding out about homeopathy? Okay. Um, well, I think just an invaluable book for understanding um, just the very, the body and disease and symptoms and homeopathy is uh, the science of homeopathy by George, by the and it's paperback. <clears throat> it's a great book. I mean, it's an easy read and I recommend it to my patients who come along that say, I want to know about homeopathy. And I'm like, okay, hey, start with this book. 
after you kind of really digest the fundamental principles of of homeopathy, you know, minimum dose, law of similars, law of cure, you know, all these things, then you can kind of move forward and crack open our Materia Medica, which we've got many. So, you know, one of the main ones I suggest would be Morrison's desktop guide because it's so common to schools. We use it, we as homeopaths use it. So then we're all kind of in tandem. We're all, we're all kind of reading the same symptoms, but there's many great materia medicas. And then as far as repertories go, in order to learn how to write down those symptoms and plug them in to receive a remedy recommendation in return comes from our repertory. The repertory I recommend is synthesis. It is paperback. It is huge. It is big and red and awesome. And it has so many symptoms in it. You'd be amazed if you just thumb, you know, anybody would be amazed just thumbing through it. But those are kind of more, those are quite, that's a commitment. Yes. As a brand new person to homeopathy, I often see and like to recommend uh, Miranda Castro's book. I think it's Complete Homeopathy um, or Complete complete something. I forget what it's called. It's a great book. It's got a, a small materia medica inside. It's got a small repertory inside. She's talking about acute stuff, chronic stuff. You know, the key is it's still kind of a superficial representation. You know, it's, it's she's not really, you know, it's, it's not real in depth, but it's a great start. It really gives you kind of a good understanding of how we move through homeopathy and prescribing remedies. You know, and then on a on a more intermediate or expert level, I always recommend Sankaron. You know, anybody that can read Sankaron's books are just going to be hooked on homeopathy. Yeah. His sensation method is the great one of the greatest advancements in modern homeopathy, modern classical homeopathy. And I mean, he's just a genius. He is a pure genius, and I've seen. In, Tons of great classical homeopaths around the world uh, display his sensation method. So it's teachable, it's transferable, and it is magical. I mean, it is truly very cool. And when you can really tap into somebody and tease their sensation out of them and then find that remedy that matches that sensation, it is amazing. I mean, it is truly amazing. It's like you've kind of stepped into the spirit world almost. And I don't, I don't want to be creepy, but it is, it is seriously like you have, you know, you have connected with that inner song. You've connected with that other, that other part that is kind of getting loud. And it's, you know, it's, it's the disturbance that's kind of in the background and you've resonated with it. And then you turn it back down. And rather than just looking at the patient at face value and their symptoms at face value, you go to kind of a next layer. So it is magical. So those are the books I recommend. Why don't you tell us how, if somebody wanted to contact you about a consultation, how they would, how they would find you? You know, the best way right now is through email to reach me. I, I do respond to, um, a lot of people from group will message me, uh, message me through messenger and then we kind of start a conversation and then exchange emails and then I send them email forms but if they wanted to to reach me directly through email my email is scoutmitch s-c-o-u-t-t-m-i-t-c-h at hotmail.com and I just you know they can ask me any questions and I'll get I typically get back to 
everybody within 24 to 48 hours. And yeah, I'm open for any questions. So I appreciate it. What kind of consultations do you do? Do you do? I do all, well, as far as how I do my consultations, almost everything is email right now. I have found it to be unbelievably uh, productive, successful over face-to-face or Skype appointments because it really allows people to, first of all, they're not, they're not sitting there with me staring at them. So they're not, they don't feel on the spot when they're, when they sit there and they write out their questions, they write out their story. They, they feel like they can kind of divulge a lot because they're still kind of anonymous in a way. So Mm -hmm. I have, I have found that people tell me a lot more on paper or through email than they ever did in person. And that we get a lot further, a lot quicker through email. It really is. It's been amazing, you know, and and I was frustrated for a while because uh, in-person and Skype appointments seemed essential. They seemed essential. Like we need to look at each other. We need to understand each other. And, and, And there is a huge aspect of that that's important. But it was also very tough because a lot was falling through the cracks and you know, people would get, they'd get nervous, they'd get excited, and then they'd forget to tell me something. So they were calling me at all hours of the night, or, you know, it was like, they were, you know, feeling like, well, I forgot to tell you this, or what did you tell me to do on this? Or what was I supposed to do? Email has cleared all this up. They can see everything I say, they can refer back to it. They, I can see everything they say, I can file it very quickly. I can, uh, I can get back to it. I can, reaccess it. I can't, and most people or many people are out of state. So trying to set up different times is, can get real complicated and calling people back. I've spent entire days on the phone, just returning phone calls, which is not very productive. So email has been ideal. Everybody can take the time they want to. I often encourage them to take two, three, four, five days, fill out the forms write me a story as well. Tell me in your own words, what's going on, send it to me. I will study it. I shut out the whole world when I'm setting a case. And, and then I respond back with a few questions if I have them and then I sleep on it (laughs) and then I select the remedy or I select the remedy, sleep on it and then ship it. Typically I I like to really chew on a case for a couple days and then I ship them the remedy and then we, they can contact me all the time if they want. I mean, I have some patients that contact me every couple days for months. And I have some people that touch base once a month. And it, But it, it, that's the nice thing about email is they can, whatever comes across their mind, whatever concern, they can just shoot me an email and I will respond to them. So it's really worked out well. Thank you so much for coming and sharing your knowledge with us. We really appreciate it. And it was a pleasure. Maybe we'll have you back again. <laughs> awesome. Anytime. <laughs>